Welcome to Celestial Small Talk with Alice and CJ. Celestial Small Talk refers to the big ideas, profound revelations, and deep connections that are created in the briefest of encounters. It is often in these moments that an imperceptible shift in thought can bring about the biggest change, helping us to more fully embody our intuition. We strive to inspire, illuminate, question, provoke, and spark the unique constellation within. Hello and welcome back to Celestial Small Talk. Alice and I are joined today by a lovely guest, a friend who we've actually talked about on this podcast before, but have not talked two yet. So we have the wonderful Nicole Newell here with us. Nicole, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks so much, CJ. I'm really happy to be here. This is my first time being on a podcast. I am a student right now. I am in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and I go to school at Harvard Divinity School, and I'm in my second year of my master's program there. And I am a lover of many things. I love to sing. I love to make art, love to read. Whenever I'm asked to bring an object to a group of people that represents me, I always bring a mug, um, a handmade pottery mug, because I love to make pottery. And I also love to share conversation and learn about people's lives and just, just have those kind of deep conversations with people over tea. So that's a little bit about me. Thanks for sharing. And I love that your object is something that's like handmade and handheld, like a feeling of like warmth immediately comes to mind when you think about having tea over uh, a conversation with someone, there's like an immediate sharing, like a connection that we all can sort of feel in that situation. Alice, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's been such a long time since we've had conversations like this. So this is a treat for me. And I haven't seen Nicole in forever, maybe like since the holidays. And we didn't get to hang out then either. So I'm very excited to catch up and have a conversation with you. Thank you both. I'm so excited to be here. Lovely. Well, to get us started and kind of in the mood, I lit a spirit candle today because I was thinking about what moves us spiritually. And that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Let's take a nice deep breath in and exhale it out. I am spiritual. I move beyond the physical into the light filled with hope, love, and joy. Breathe in again and breathe out. And to get things started, I mean, already thinking about that idea of moving beyond the physical and into the light. I did actually pull a card. Well, it kind of jumped out at me um, before I even started recording. So I always like to just kind of see what that has to say. So I'm using the Jane Austen tarot, which you both have seen before, I'm pretty sure. But I thought about it because Nicole, you were such a big factor on my birthday celebration last year when I got these cards from my friend Kelly, and they um, just spoke to me to bring to the conversation today. So the card that came out was the Ace of Diamonds, which also pairs as the world card. Ace of Diamonds in this 
deck is representing the suit of pentacles or coins. So we're thinking about sort of a new grounded foundational start in terms of it could be ideas, it could be behaviors, but then the world, it's kind of like the end. It's like the end and the beginning all at once because the world is where we end up on this cyclical journey, which then brings us back into the fool, you know, at the beginning of the journey of the major arcana. So the guidebook description of this card is completion. One deserves a bouquet when a demanding endeavor has come full circle to success. And I'm wondering if that's resonating with you at all, Nicole. Yeah. Thanks so much. I love how you, how you pay attention to those things that just jump out at you. I think that's, that's such a lovely way to approach life as well as tarot. I think it's really interesting. I'm like, in the middle of things in terms of my degree program. But I'm thinking a lot about this kind of cyclical journey. Um, And part of that is because something I often think about is that I have lived in a lot of places. I've been a part of a lot of different communities over the course of my life. And there are things that I learn in each place that I carry with me. And sometimes I think like, oh, I've, I really got that. Like I know how to advocate for myself now. And then when I get to a new place, I realize I have to relearn that in a new community and with a new kind of context around me. So I really feel this kind of sense of cycling. Yeah. Kind of finding like, oh yes, I feel like I am where I belong. And then having moments where I'm like, oh, it's still like coming together for me. And I'm almost to the end of this year here, which is my first year in-person school, which has been such a crazy, last year I was on Zoom school and I just, I'm not really even sure what I learned. And there does feel like a sense of completion coming like the next month or two. I find it to be interesting that you pull the, the world card and that's like the end, you know, the end of the tarot journey there's parallel meanings in astrology because Pisces is the last astrology astrological sign of the zodiac. And a lot of times people kind of uh, make comparison with the 12th house as well, with the, which is the house of spirituality and the other side of you that like not everybody sees. I find it interesting because our guest, Nicole, she's got a lot of Pisces energy. The first time I met you, I could already feel this whimsical, beautiful person. Like, I was like, who is this fairy that's just in walking in this realm and just gracing everybody with her presence? You have so many Pisces energy and it just beautifully placed in your fifth house. To me, that just dreamy, romantic, creative in so many ways. The fifth house is like creativity and romance. And with Pisces there, it's so poetic. You just go through life with this beautiful lens of like, everything is beautiful. And I appreciate so much, you know, even in the things that people might find ugly. Yeah, thank you, Alice. Um, That's really fun to hear. I love this poetic quality that you're pulling out because right now I'm in a poetry workshop and so I get to write poems every week. And yeah, just that process of creating and really kind of honing in and noticing things in the world. Um, That's one of the things we've been talking about a lot in this poetry class is just the kind of giving people like detailed descriptions of things of just like, what is actually, what can you see, smell, touch, taste, all of those things. And having that kind of lens on the world's 
I used to do this practice. I sometimes do on and off, um, where at the end of each day, I would write down one thing for each of the five senses that I experienced that day. And that was a really nice way of just kind of getting back into my body at the end of the day and, and going through some of the different sensory experiences that I had had. And I found that to be really helpful in times of transition or in a new place. Um, and it's fun looking back at those because I actually am taken back to those moments and I can really visualize and feel those things. I'm just reading them in my journal. That's neat you said that because I'm kind of drawing the parallel between what Alice said about your chart and then the cards as well. And you kind of talked about being in this liminal space between completing, you know, one school year, a very different school year than what you've had in the past as well as where you are in terms of your, like your creativity and everything. And the fact that Alice is saying that Piscean energy is very kind of ethereal, it makes sense that you would resonate with like a grounding practice. Like how do I get back into my body by, by sensing into my five senses? Because we tend to get very dreamy or imaginative or in our heads about thinking and overthinking. So bringing bodily practices back in feels like a really uh, safe thing. And I know you do a lot of movement as well. That's a huge part of, you know, kind of keeping yourself grounded and, and stable and everything. And while Alice was talking, I got another card come out, which was the eight of diamonds. So staying in the pentacle suit. So we're really thinking about body and the eights are all about persistent hard work. This is talking about quality where if you want to hone a skill, it comes with sort of that meditative daily practice. So you were talking about writing poems once a week, journaling daily, just those things are going to kind of get you back into your body. So what are the things have you found to be sort of solely satisfying as you're going through all of this ethereal academic studies? Yeah, that's such a great question. So lately I've been going to daily prayers at the Memorial Church. It's, it's just like this old church at Harvard. It's kind of weird, but they do just like a 15 minute prayer service where there's a really beautiful piece by a choir. And then someone does a reflection on a text, which we consider a sacred text, but isn't necessarily from a religious scripture. And I found that to be really grounded just to show up to a community every day for a few minutes and to kind of let the music envelop me, let the sunshine streaming in through the windows envelop my body, and to have to really be present to something. Um, and I think my courses have actually really contributed to my sense of being grounded. I've got this class called Contemplative Prayer right now that's looking at mostly medieval Christian practices of prayer. We've been talking a lot about sacred reading practices and how it, the more that you read it, can have more to speak to you as you encounter it in new times and new situations. So I'm actually reading this book for that called Praying with Jane Eyre. So thinking about just like a modern text that is not scripture, is not like necessarily held as sacred by a community, but if it's something that you're reading and you're really bringing yourself to and read and reread, that there's this opportunity for the words to speak to you in new ways each time you encounter them. Um, so I've just been having fun, like with my poetry class um, and reading other people's poems and just kind of writing out lines that sort of sparkle out at me from the text. And those things I, ha I think have been pretty grounding for me. And also just like the practice of walking. I walk almost every day by the river here. And it's been fun to see it change. We have four seasons here in Massachusetts. So um, right now there are daffodils and the hyacinths out. 
And I will often take off my shoes and wade in the water, which no one else does. <laughs> um, but I've always loved, I think, Alice, what you were saying about like that kind of spontaneous, just creative kind of dreamy energy that is so me and I really love moments where I just get to be that in the public real world um, and not just like in my own home space and I think nature really inspires me to do that. I wanted to ask you more about the practice of prayers and how you think that should be something for everybody to adapt whatever spirituality or belief they have I think each religion or each spiritual practice have its own way of approaching prayers I don't do this enough in my daily practice I kind of just wake up first thing in the morning check my phone and then start working you know on things and then there was one day that I just decided I'm not gonna even look at my phone I'm just gonna do a little yoga and sit in my egg chair swinging and just reading a chapter of my favorite book that was so good because it's I think it has that element of the little treats that you give yourself you know with you like just walking by the river and take off your shoes and just like be in this moment here enjoy being a human you know instead of putting yourself in the grind and trying to achieve something I've had a lot to think about in terms of like, what is it that I really want to achieve out of life? Because a lot of times I go through life and I've done all the quote unquote right things and I'm, I'm making money and I'm taking care of my people and eating and all these things. But then that beautiful Virgo moon comes out at night and it's like, okay, but did you really accomplish anything today? <laughs> It's kind of one of those things like the practice of prayers and the approach to like you talked about these sacred texts and how people reflect on them. And I think that's so interesting because everybody's different and they have a different different beliefs. They have different interpretations of the same text. And I think that listening to other people reflecting on their their experiences to me is rewarding in itself, but also like get give me a, a chance to like look inward and see does that resonate with me? How does that work with my belief system? You know, what do I value? And to me, it's always like, how do I adapt this or adopt this in my daily practice to make me a healthier, you know, more present human? How do I actually like experience life as a human instead of as a, like a part of another person's agenda? That makes sense. Wow. What a big question. I think so much of our lives kind of get caught up in other people's agendas and it can be hard to extricate ourselves from that. But I think, yeah, having some of these practices like with, with the phone too, like I just find myself looking at my phone so much throughout the day. And actually one of my friends, Alex has his phone set up to be um, in black and white instead of in color as like a way of making it less like a candy store <laughs> and less enticing. But yeah, I think it's it's hard to return to mindfulness when the world around us is really designed to capture our attention and capture our like monetary and economic value too. I mean, in terms of the practice of prayer and how that can extend to different religious traditions or not a practice of um, that's connected to religion or spirituality per se, but I think maybe the word intention is also helpful. 
And I mean, I don't really pray. It's kind of funny. I don't, that's not a word that actually resonates with me a lot. And it's been interesting in this class to see how, oh, actually maybe there's something there for me that I need or that I'm drawn to or that I'm already doing. Like when I go swimming, for example, that for me is like such a meditative practice of breathing. Like I really just don't think about a lot of things while I'm in the water or doing my face care routine in the morning. Like there are so many times throughout the day where I think I have the opportunity to like either just totally kind of zone out to some degree where I'm not having all these thoughts that are just coming and going or times where I'm like being a little bit more reflective. And I think like having a community to do that with, even if it's just one person on the phone at the end of the day, um, or it's you in your journal, or it's a book that you really love. I think there are so many ways to tap into that. And we are already doing a lot of those things. We just don't, we don't talk about them that way. I agree. And one thing that you were talking about, Alice, that made me think of this book, Emergent Strategy by Adrienne Marie Brown, highly recommend. And it talks about how we are all living in someone else's imagination right now because capitalism and our government and our financial system, like that was someone who thought of that, who put it into practice. And now we are living in that person's imagination. So when we get a chance to take ourselves out of that and imagine what is possible for ourselves, I think is like a reclamation of power. In terms of connecting with a prayerful practice, even if that word doesn't resonate or a religious text doesn't resonate, or even the word spirituality, a lot of people have issues with, I think anything that contributes to your own sense of well-being and doesn't have to be furthering you on a capitalist agenda or on a family agenda or on a societal pressure agenda, I think that is its own form of like prayer and meditation. And, and it could be swimming, it could be journaling, it could be staring out the window, right? Like it doesn't, it doesn't have to be anything that is concretely moving you anywhere. It just is something that takes you out of this other person's imagination that we're living in. Um, and interestingly, I've been like shuffling the cards while you both were talking and nothing was coming out. But then finally, the two of clubs came out. So <laughs> clubs in this deck relate to wands. So we're thinking about passion, creativity, and the element of fire. And twos are all about collaborative. And you alluded, Nicole, to having this community time stopping by the church, even if you're not actually praying, it's just giving you that space to be enveloped in music in like a communal place to process what you are doing and how you are relating to your existence in your current reality. So the, the, word for this two of clubs is discovery. And I love this idea about taking what either does or doesn't work for us in the reality in which we exist and then discovering what we want more of and what we want less of as we're going. I was thinking as you were talking, some of these practices, like there are things that strengthen us so that we can actually live in our own imagination. Um, because I think sometimes that's a scary place for me, just in terms of like, 
really, I get to like decide what my own life is going to be about. And I get to like have my own goals and, and figure out what do I really want to accomplish and what matters to me. Those are big things. And I think um, practices that can really strengthen us in addressing those things, like those are the things that I want more of in my life. And then you were talking about the two of clubs. So yeah, discovery, that is lovely. And I think a lot about improvisation too, of like each day, each day comes with the possibility of things not being like the day before, like something can always happen that's different. And I don't have to live in the same kind of narratives that I've had for myself over the course of my life. And I, right now, one of the other communities that's important to me is this group called Joyous Noise. Um, and we just do various chants. So we chant together and we all, we always start with a sound meditation. That's just like the different voices in the room, just offering like a drone. So just a, a note. And as that goes on, people just kind of start experimenting and making different kinds of sounds. And then oftentimes there's laughter that, that cuts in and there are these moments where these really beautiful chords form and none of it is like premeditated or like we're not reading music. We're just making sounds. Um, we're just making noise. And yeah, I think those are moments that kind of draw me back into, oh, every moment is like this. Every moment is a moment of improvisation and just like learning how I can connect with another person. And even if I wouldn't necessarily see like we have something in common or not, I'm constantly surprised by people and who they are and who they think I am and kind of this process of discovering each other and, and learning about each other. I think that's really beautifully put. Every moment is improvisation. I, one of my favorite quotes is the best things in life are unexpected. If you go by your day, one, the expected one in predictability, one in, you know, in many cases, stability, you kind of put yourself in a box that you pretty much know what the next day is going to look like. And it would become this monotonous routine that's many times still joy. And I think it's such a beautiful thing to be reminded that everything, like you don't know what's happening next. You literally don't. It's everything you're, you're improvised no matter what, right? Allowing yourself to be surprised by people is something that's also both scary, but also exciting, you know, because you're kind of putting yourself out there. You're eliminating expectations and you stop putting yourself or other people in boxes. This was hard for me because of the wonderful abandonment issue that I have in my closet that every time I meet you know, new people, there's this thing like, I'm going to, I'm going to do these things and be these things to be safe so that there's lower risk of rejection or abandonment. Right. But once I started improv, when I started like, putting myself out there and I just slowly, little by little revealing certain parts of myself and then be surprised by other people's also doing the same thing and recognizing that like everybody has a skeleton in their closet. Everybody has something that they're uncomfortable about. And this act of sharing vulnerability or sharing like different parts of yourself is so human. And it's kind of beyond word for me to have that kind of connection with people. And I appreciate that. And I want to make a um, comment about your group Joyous Noise. It's an excellent name. I see on your chart, you have your moon conjunct your Mercury. In Pisces, Mercury is, is words, is 
communication, information, things like that. Mercury is very much like the throat area. And I find it interesting that you have moon conjunct Mercury. And for me, like when I start reading the, the chart, you know, I already feel like you probably get lost in a good book or you just, you could sit there and listen to like hauntingly beautiful music forever. And obviously you also love to sing. Yeah. And this ties into that, like this probably elevates your mood a lot when you join this group. And, you know, when you get to just do this, just joyous chance. I think that's incredible. No, it definitely elevates my mood. And I think choirs in general, singing groups in general, have been places where I've found a sense of belonging very quickly. I think about the throat chakra a bit in terms of my, I'm not always the most articulate person. And sometimes I feel like I express myself better through movement or through song. So I really love you pulling that out in my chart. That provides something for me to think about a little bit more. Yeah, I also love joyous noise. I like want to be a part of that, mainly because I think it would take away so much of the fear that people have around like their singing voices and like having to be good. You know, there's this whole thought about not doing something if we're not perfect at it. And there's a lot of shame, I think, particularly around singing that this is why I love karaoke so much, because I think you can sing however you'd sing with as much vim and vigor as you want. And like people are going to love it or hate it, whatever. If they hate it, it doesn't matter. But it's an opportunity for you to expand your vocal cords in a way that is freeing. And to be in a space where it's just, it sounded like chords, you said, like someone just kind of picks a note and like, like I'm also thinking of the ohm chant, you know, you kind of like, no one actually has to be on key. You just do it at whatever register feels good to you. But then I like how there's the additional like improvisation. Like if my voice is feeling this, I can do this. And there aren't a lot of spaces where that is okay. You know, like even with words, we can get trapped in, is this the right word I'm trying to say? Is this, is it the message I want to convey where when it's just a sound it's you get that reverberation in your chest and in your vocal cords and it comes out and you may be tone deaf or the person next to you may be tone deaf and it doesn't matter because you're just allowing yourselves to almost like vibrate in unison. Um, and that just sounds like a beautiful way to create. I mean, you said that laughter comes in a lot because you get to kind of play with your own voice without having like any necessary output. I hope that a group like this exists everywhere and that anyone who is interested in something like this finds it because it sounds amazing. So thanks for sharing. Yeah, of course, CJ. I'm also just thinking about that eight of diamonds card and that persistent hard work, meditative daily practice. And I think in some ways that joyous noise in that group process is kind of the opposite of that hard work. It's like easefulness, but I think that they're like two sides of the same coin in a lot of ways. That hard work and like being able to find the right word also comes with being able to have the freedom to choose any word. I think it has a lot to do with that persistent thing. You know, these are really healthy practices and healthy habits. Starting a habit is hard, you know, for somebody to like, okay, no, this is healthy and I need to do it. But because you don't have that habit when you wake up in the morning, you know, because you have other habits for yourself when you wake up in the morning, it's harder to like make time and like, you know, it's going to be effortful, I think, at the beginning when you start any kind of habit. I'm really grateful for these reminders 
to incorporate these prayers, practices, and slowing down and letting people surprise you and letting life surprise you, you know, because a lot of times surprises are good. I'm like telling myself right now, (laughs) a lot of times it's okay to be surprised. Because, I mean, I haven't been going to work um, because somebody else has taken over my hours. So I've literally just been home the whole time. And I feel like I need a reminder, just like, you know what? Take a walk in your neighborhood. You haven't done that ever. Let it surprise you. <laughs> See what's up there. Oh, maybe you'll pick up a rock or something. But yeah, I really appreciate this conversation and this beautiful sisterhood and these reminders. What are you grateful for, CJ? You use the word sisterhood and that just like sung to my heart because I actually just got off the phone with my sister. She lives in Germany right now and is planning a wedding and asked me to be her maid of honor, which has never, I've never been in that role before. Um, So to be a big sister who can try to support my sister from afar while also having sisters that I've chosen who are in California, who are in Massachusetts, who are in Maryland and New Jersey and all over the world is continually reminds me that that community of sisterhood, you know, and I'm not exclusively talking about genders here either. I think a lot of people who embody feminine energy, but may have uh, masculine presenting people are also they fall in that category because there is a sort of bond that comes with identifying like in a feminine way. So feeling that fullness of sisterhood, I'm feeling a lot of gratitude for that right now. Nicole, what are you grateful for? I'm so grateful to be with you both. And yes, to feel this bond of friendship and sisterhood across the miles, across time, Um, and just to get a chance to reflect on some of these things and thinking about just kind of the containers that we create in our lives to help us do the things that we want to do and be the people we want to be and love the people that we love. So I'm just grateful for the chance to speak with both of you and these different cards and your analysis of my chart. Um, It's just been really fun. So thank you so much. Our pleasure. Well, thank you for all of our listeners out there. We look forward to coming at you again next month with another episode of Celestial Small Talk. Hi there, Alice here. As often happens on Celestial Small Talk, we continue talking after the recording has stopped. And fortunately, this time, as things unfolded, even more magical revelations were shared. Please enjoy the following bonus content. In terms of being a Pisces and having all that emotional kind of energy, um, both inside me and I think in attunement to that in others, um, which isn't always correct. Like I'm not always correct in my assessment of what other people are feeling, but I can usually tune into that enough to like ask some of the right questions or just offer presence. And I think that that has been really live in my life right now. And really in I guess for all of my life, (laughs) Um, but especially in the last year, I did a chaplaincy internship last summer at a hospital and would just sit with patients who were in all kinds of different moments, whether it was like intense crisis or loss. And there were even a few joys here and there, or just kind of an ordinary day and being able to process some of the things that I saw and how to create those containers for myself to cry when I needed to and to be angry when I needed to and express that bodily just to like have space to kind of think about what was 
being brought up in my own life by the people that I was encountering um, and how to really, how to hold that and not just kind of push it down. So yeah, I think for me, just this kind of, how do I hold emotions? How do I create containers so I can feel those emotions and not be overwhelmed by them? And then also how do I hold that space for others? And maybe how do we hold those communal spaces? I think that's maybe the thing I'm thinking about most right now is I think I'm pretty good at doing that for myself. And I wonder how can I extend that to my community to help us have maybe even like ritual spaces to some extent where we can process some of the collective griefs that we have. I relate to that quite a bit as a cancer. I have three placements in cancer and I'm just a walking emotional person. Interestingly, my moon is in an earth sign. So a lot of times I sort of do this to myself where I'm like, bodily like telling myself to like stop feeling these things and stay composed and it's actually more taxing for me to do that and yesterday we had you know horrendous news I was scared and I was also just heartbroken and I didn't know what to do um with myself and I probably went to bed by seven I was just so exhausted waking up to that and like following it. And then at one point I was like, okay, I need to stop following this because my body just can't really react to a lot of this. And then there were some other issues with my ex also like bringing a lot of like emotional things to me. And yesterday I actually did a good job of like, you know what, I'm going to disengage because you're attacking me and I was trying to be there for you. But yeah, like I can relate to so much of that. Like you take on and you understand a lot of people, how people feel. And then it sort of sit with you. But if we don't allow these things to go through you bodily, that it's, it's going to stay and it's going to, it's going to keep draining, draining you, draining your energy because you save some of that energy to hold it down and you don't have energy to do other things. And a lot of times I find like I go into the shower and I just cry in there. I just like let the water, like, it's like water therapy for me, like just let it all out and just feel it and just be sad in this space and then get out and, you know, feel so much better. There's a really therapeutic and cathartic thing that sometimes maybe I miss because I don't want to get caught up in it. And I'm worried that if I, I think as somebody who's had depression in the past and like periods, long periods of time where I've been really in the dumps. I think I feel afraid of going there. I feel afraid of feeling that again and not being able to climb my way out. But I think what I've found, like in terms of being, one, I'm treated for depression and two, like being able to hold space for myself and call people in to my own life and what I'm going through to allow myself to cry, to allow myself to just feel sad, that that actually helps me move through it and move on. And be better able to hold other people in their sadness and in their times when they just they just need a hand on their shoulder or just a presence in their room or on the phone. And they don't have to offer platitudes or I don't have to provide the hope. I'm just there to be present. I think that's really beautiful. And I appreciate you both sharing, um, you know, what can be very vulnerable, particularly when we're talking about news that is tragic and we can internalize other people's pain and other people's misery. And I don't have a lot of water in my chart, which I think Alice can attest to, but I do feel very strongly. I I have always considered myself highly empathetic. And what I've been learning about with 
developmental trauma is how that feeling of like, if I let myself feel all of this, then I won't be able to stop. That comes from a place of childhood wounding of, you know, not ever understanding that it wasn't our fault that these things happen. And yet we internalize the failures of our environment to mean that we are failures and we are bad. And what happens when we diminish our capacity to feel and to let these things out is exactly what you both were talking about, which is that it bottles up and it will come out eventually. It may come as anger. It may come as resentment. It may come as acting out or acting in towards yourself. But what that also does is it diminishes your capacity for joy. So if you don't allow yourself to feel that grief and move through that grief, you don't allow yourself to feel that ebb and flow then of the joy. So this is just to say that I hear you both and I feel deeply for what you both shared about feeling And to say that, like, this is a thing that a lot of people go through. And the best thing we can do is find those processors, find those supports, find those outlets, because otherwise, as we know, tons of health and bodily issues can come as a result, relational issues can come as a result of not allowing these things to be felt. So as we say on this podcast, like this is a space for tears. It is safe. And we want everyone to be able to process their grief because I think then we can move into a place of joy a lot easier. You can reach us at celestialsmalltalk at gmail.com and on Instagram at celestialsmalltalk. Please listen, like, review, share, grow, learn, and love. Until next time.